Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. we want to take a look at war in heaven verse 7 revelation 12 verse 7 and there was war in heaven michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels if you will just hold your finger right there in revelation chapter 12 and flip over to daniel chapter 12 I'm going to show you something there. Daniel 12 and verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to the same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. I want you to understand something tonight. It is important that your name be written down in the Lamb's book of life. Now, if you've got your name written on the roll of this church, that's great. I'm glad. I'm happy for you. But that's not going to do you one bit of good when you stand before God one day. The only book you need to worry about being in is the Lamb's Book of Life. And your name is written there the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross. But Michael is the one that instigates this war in heaven and... This is not the first time that Michael and Satan have butted heads. Uh, Jude verse 9. Uh, we also have Michael the archangel contending with Satan over the body of Moses. But while you're still there in Daniel chapter 12, flip over. Take a left back to Daniel 10. I'm going to show you something there right quick. Some of you just got them electronic Bibles. You got your little fingers working hard tonight. <laughs> Get the CD and listen to it again. Some of you are writing. I see that. Uh, Daniel 10. Uh, Michael and Gabriel have fought evil angels in the past. And uh, in Daniel 10 verse 12, if you'll look at that, uh, Daniel is seeking understanding about a vision that he's had. 
Daniel 10, verse 12. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee to understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. When Daniel was praying and seeking the Lord, his prayer was heard right then. And God sent an angel with the answer to Daniel's prayer. But there was spiritual warfare going on, and that answer was held back, delayed for 21 days. Spiritual warfare. But understand this, Daniel's prayer was heard. And it was ultimately answered. Now, I said all of that to say this. There is a spiritual truth here that we all need to grab a hold of, if you will. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm sure all of you are very familiar with this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The battle that we are all engaged in is a spiritual thing. It's not a physical battle. What you're fighting is not what you think it is. But the battle is a spiritual battle. We're wrestling against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. If you will, look at Deuteronomy 32. This is an important passage of scripture that uh, you need to be made aware of the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32 Deuteronomy 32 move down if you will to verse 30 some of you have heard this verse before Deuteronomy 32 verse 30 How should one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock, and notice the word rock, if you're looking at a King James Version, which is uh, a word-for-word translation, notice the word rock has a capital R there. Okay, I see some of your heads nodding. Okay, I'm going to explain that in a minute. 
How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight except their rock, capital R, had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? This is referring to when the children of Israel were out in the wilderness. There was no water. God spoke to Moses and told him to smite the rock. And Moses went over and took his rod and he hit the rock and water gushed out of the rock and it satisfied the thirst of all of those people that were there that day. The evidence is that everywhere the children of Israel went, that rock followed them. And in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul referred to that rock, capital R. And he said that rock was Christ. So in essence, when this verse is talking about except their rock had sold them, it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ allowing this. All right, now what is he allowing? What, what are we talking about? One chasing a thousand and two putting ten thousand to flight. He's talking about the enemy. One man will cause a thousand of the enemy to run. And two will put ten thousand of the enemy to run. You say, well, Brother James, what in the world has that got to do with us today? I'm going to tell you what it has to do with us today. Your prayers are important. And God hears your prayers. Your prayer, one prayer, sets, as this verse claims, a thousand of the enemy. Right now, there is spiritual warfare going on. If God would pull back the blind so that we could look into the spirit world, you would see war going on in the heavenlies. As the forces of good and evil are fighting for this nation. And when you pray, you are chasing a thousand of the enemy. Two of you are chasing ten thousand of the enemy. Let me tell you, as long as there are believers in this world that are praying and seeking God and praying for this nation, the devil ain't going to have it. I know it looks like the devil's going to win, but the devil's a lie. When you pray, when you seek God, and you pray about the leaders in this country, you're chasing the enemy, whether you see that and understand that or not. So your prayers are very important. And we should pray for those in leadership over this country. Now, if we as a church will be a praying church, Satan will not prevail, no matter what it is. And if you look in Revelation 12 and verse 8, took me a while, but I got back to it. Revelation 12 and verse 8, the Bible says that, They prevailed not. 
neither was their place found any more in heaven. As stated, and as we have looked, there have been battles going on with the forces of good and evil. Those angels of light, the angels of darkness, the angels of God, the angels of Satan. There have been battles in the past. There are battles going on right now in the world. But this battle that is coming in the future is where Satan will be cast out of heaven. In other words, he loses. Now, as we look at the world scene today, in some situations it looks like the devil's winning. He may win a battle here and there, but he ultimately loses this war. Now, how do you know that? I know it because that's what this book says. And if you look at verse 9, the great red dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, stop and think a minute. Can't the devil read what the book says? Certainly he can. Satan knows the Bible better than some Christians do. I'll go so far to say that Satan knows more about the Word of God than some preachers do. He knows this book. The problem is he doesn't believe it. And that's the problem with a lot of people. They can read it. They understand it. But they don't believe it. And when you don't believe the truth, then you'll believe a lie. And a lie, when you believe a lie, you've been deceived. And Satan has been deceived himself into thinking that he's going to overthrow God. And he's deceiving much of this world. He thinks that the more people that he can deceive, the more people he's got on his side, then he can outnumber God and, and eventually win this war that he started way back in the eons of the past. He's, he's trying to win this war. But the book says he was cast out and his place was found no more in heaven. All right. Take a look at Revelation 12, verse 10. Verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Okay, let's break this verse down and take a look at it. The first part of that now has come salvation strength the kingdom of God and the power of Christ first of all let's look at salvation that is the first thing that is mentioned in that verse salvation is afforded by Christ what Jesus did at Calvary paid the sin debt that man owed to God all have sinned and come short of the glory of God 
and the wages of sin is death. And Jesus died on Calvary for all of mankind. Now, all of us are going to die physically. But we don't have to die spiritually, eternally separated from God. When Jesus died that physical death on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. And although we may die physically, we do not have to die spiritually in that place called hell, eternally separated from God. And it was through and by the precious blood that he shed on Calvary that washes away our sins. His blood was precious blood. And seeing how this time of the year we look to the manger, the little baby born of the Virgin Mary laying in the manger, a lot of people don't understand how important the virgin birth is. Had Jesus been born any other way, then he would have been a man just like any other man. But Jesus' birth was a miraculous birth. God spoke the word and just spoke that seed right into the womb of Mary. And seeing how man didn't have anything to do with it, his blood, see the seed of sin is in the blood. And it is the man that carries the seed. So Jesus did not have an earthly father. He had a heavenly father. So the seed that was implanted in Mary was without sin. And Jesus was without sin. Which means his blood was precious blood. And when he shed his blood at Calvary, it washed our sins away. That is salvation. When you put your faith in that of which I've just mentioned. All right. Second thing that's mentioned here in this verse is strength. Because the sin debt has been paid. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. That opens up the door for the Holy Spirit. To come into your heart and life and give you the power to live right. To do right. The law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, tells us what to do and what not to do. But it did not give us any power to do it. And if you notice, everybody that's tried to keep the commandments has failed. Every single one of us in here tonight have have bared false witness or whatever the case. We've stolen something. We've broken at least one of those Ten Commandments. And the Bible says if you've broken one, you're guilty of all. So... With that, the law was given so that we'll know what to do or what not to do. But the law did not give us power to keep it. But when Jesus died on Calvary, he satisfied the law. He kept the law perfectly. And like I said, when we put our faith in that finished work, then the power of the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and lives and he helps us to live right. Yeah, he helped, that is the power of the Holy Spirit that you have inside of you. That's the strength. Uh, the third thing, the kingdom of God. When you put your faith in the finished work of Christ, uh, you are then adopted into the family of God, which will ultimately come about in the kingdom of God 
uh, and that's still yet in the future. Uh, the fourth thing that's mentioned there in that verse is the power of Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who will rule and reign in this world, in the kingdom of God. But that is still yet in the future. All right. Uh, the latter part of verse 10 talks about the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren. The implication is that Satan, or one of his fallen angels, is before the Lord constantly accusing us before God. Now, what exactly do I mean by that? I think the book of Job gives us quite a bit of insight um, in that. If you want to take a look at Job chapter 1. Job chapter 2 as well mentions a few things. Uh, Job chapter 1 verse 9 is where I'm going to pick it up at. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Put forth now thine hand, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. He's accusing Job of loving God because of materialistic blessing. But he tells the Lord, you take all that away, and he'll curse you to your face. He's accusing Job. All right, chapter 2 of Job. Move down, if you will, to verse 4. Satan comes before the Lord again. Job 2, verse 4. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Put forth now thine hand, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Here we have Satan again accusing Job of loving God and serving God because his health is good. And he tells the Lord, uh, you just remove your hand and touch his bone and his flesh and he'll curse you to your face. The accuser of the brethren. A lot of the Trials and troubles, tribulations that we're going through right now is because Satan is before the Lord. And Satan, or one of his fallen angels, is before the Lord. And he's bringing us up constantly, constantly. Lord, if you'll let me do so and so, then they'll, they're going to react this way. Or they're going to react that way. There's a whole lot that can be said there. But I'm going to move along. I will say this about that. It's one thing. When we're accused of something we didn't do. It's another thing. When we're accused of something. And we did do it. 
All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us sitting here have failed the Lord at one time since we've gotten saved. And Satan knows what the weaknesses are. And he tempts you, tries you in that area, knowing that that's the area that you're the weakest in. And he keeps on chiseling away in that particular area. And when you give in to that thing and you fail, he's up there saying, look at her, I told you, I told you, look at him, he failed. The accuser of the brethren. We say, well, Brother James, what happens when he does that? Nothing. Well, you say, well, well, why is he doing it? Because he can, I reckon. But not one accusation of Satan will stick because we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. And the Bible says if we'll walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ washes us and cleanses us from all sin. You may fail the Lord, but the moment you fail the Lord and the Holy Spirit deals with you about that thing, you go to him and you confess that thing. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You do not allow that failure to stop your faith or take away your faith. You may fall. But faith gets back up. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care how many times you fail the Lord. If you don't quit, God won't quit. There may be angels dragging you across the threshold of glory one day. But if your faith is anchored in Christ and what he did at Calvary, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. None of Satan's accusations will stick. Revelation 12, verse 11, we're going to wrap it up because there's a whole lot that can be said about Revelation 12, verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. You're an overcomer, not because... Of what you do. You're not an overcomer because of what you don't do. You are an overcomer. Because you've placed your faith. In the finished work of Christ. You're an overcomer. Because of the blood of the lamb. And the word of your testimony. You're going to make it. Start claiming it. Start calling that thing which is not as though it was. You're going to make it. I said you're going to make it. It may not look like you're going to make it, but you're going to make it. Because the book says, if your faith is where it ought to be, you're going to make it. And they love not their lives to the death. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, 
You're going to have to deny yourself. Take up the cross daily and follow me. The program today has been a blessing to you. We hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.